Behind every success story, there is a long line of triumphs and defeats that remain hidden from others. These stories get condensed into journeys that minimize the struggle and wrap up with a happy ending. But we know that's not how life works. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about the challenges that Mark's guest faced and how they overcame adversity. Now, here is your host, Mark Azoulay. Welcome back to another episode of From the Ashes. I'm sitting here with Amy Dean, and you're a clinical trauma counselor and an ascension coach. The ascension coach part, I'm really interested in. I don't think I've heard of that before, and I just want to hear what that's all about. Welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks so much for that introduction. So an ascension coach is essentially what I do is I help people to move from one state of consciousness and typically like a lower vibrational state of consciousness where they're feeling stuck emotionally, experiencing depression, anxiety, those types of experiences and moving them into this next states of joy and peace and love. And that can help a lot. That can make a huge impact to have a guide to take you through the journey there. That's really interesting. I want to hear a lot more about how you do that. But first on this show, we like to focus on the personal story. So I'm curious, can you share with the listeners, what, what's your from the ashes story? How did you get into this? I imagine that there's, there's something there. Yes. Oh, yes. There's always something there, isn't there, right? That starts this foundation of of what I do. So absolutely. I would say it really began for me when I was going through my own trauma healing journey. And, you know, this started pretty young for me. I have always been an empath, always been a very highly sensitive person. So I've experienced chronic anxiety. I was having panic attacks growing up. I was struggling with OCD. I was going through a lot of different emotional changes and didn't know who to turn to or how to work through that. And then it wasn't until I started tapping into my own spirituality and getting to know who I really am at the deepest level using the Akashic Records, which I'm happy to explore a little bit more about. And then through there, I moved into you know getting my own coaching and, and counseling work and getting a clear understanding of what was causing my own personal blocks. And then I had quite a bit of trauma occurred during my mid-20s when I had a lot of medical problems and had to be hospitalized and thought that I was going to lose my life two times in a row. And I came up against this, what I call a dark night of the soul. So I started questioning my existence, questioning who I really am. And it took me to that next level of my spiritual awakening. And then my dad passed away. So I kept having one thing after another hit. And I really wondered, you know, am I going to make it through this? And I struggled so, so badly through the pain and the grief and the loss. And then, you know, of course, that brought me deeper within myself. And I decided I'm going to use the Akashic Records. I know that's a tool. It makes such a big impact. So I remembered that I had that tool to use and discovered this incredible healing method to be able to heal my inner child wounds around grief, around fear, around depression that I was struggling with around the grief. And then from there, 
you know, honestly, it feels like history now because it's been several years and I've been teaching this method to many women who are struggling with perfectionism, their inner critic with grief and loss and this feeling of not enoughness. And I found that was what the problem was at my core, right? That was where my fear of death was coming from. That was where my fear of loss was coming from. And I found the same with my clients. And now I teach a method to help women understand who they really are. So that's an it in a nutshell, for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of open threads there that I want to follow up on. Uh, yes. Start me with the Akashic Records. What what are they? What is that? How did you first come across it? Yes, great question. So the Akashic Records, from my personal experience, is that they are this fifth dimensional space within us. So every single person has the ability to access these records. And essentially what that means is that when you are getting in touch with this deeper dimension within you, you're feeling more love for yourself and others. You're feeling more compassion. And this type of Akashic Record experience gives you access to past lives, gives you access to future potential lives as well, gives you access to the, your soul contract, which is the reason why you've incarnated here in this lifetime. So it can be a really powerful method to access your higher wisdom, to access wisdom that you might not have tapped into otherwise, to access insights into your past history and how it's keeping you stuck today. And so it really helps you to move through any karmic blocks that are keeping you stuck. And, and that's something that I've done a lot of work around and find that every time you go into the Akashic Records, you tend to feel a bit lighter, if not a lot lighter. You tend to feel more in tune with yourself, more grounded, more loved, and more connected to the universe as a whole. So how would you define the records? Are they, is it like an inner space or is it a, a state of consciousness or like a, a mind palace thing? Like, is it a place where you go? Um, can you say more about the experience of, of accessing that? Yeah, yes, I love that question. So you can access the Akashic Records many different ways. And I would say, absolutely, it's a state of consciousness. It's, if you want to think of, you know, where our minds live now, we're usually on this third dimensional state of consciousness. And that means that we're operating on this level of you know, physicality, right? So everything's physical around us. It takes time to do things. There's a slowness to making things happen. And, you know, we're, we're very involved in one moment and then the next moment. So it feels like time is on a continuum. When we move up into the fifth dimension of consciousness, we're, it's more of a flow state within us. So you can feel, for example, you know, if you're doing some work that you love, maybe it's creative work that you love. It's almost as if time passes and you just look back on that and think, I have no idea, you know, how all that time just passed. So in those cases, you could be accessing your Akashic records without even knowing it, accessing that fifth dimension without even knowing it in those instances. So you can access it accidentally, so to speak, but you can also access it through, and this is what I do, is I take people on a visual journey. And it can be like an inner palace, the way that you just spoke about it. But often people see this as like a library of books or, you know, a castle in the sky, or they see it as, you know, a beautiful garden somewhere. So it really just depends on the person and how they visualize the experience of their records. And there's no right or wrong. In that either. But yeah, it's it's pretty vast. So there's so many opportunities for exploration in the records in that way. 
Yeah, that's that's fascinating. When were you first exposed to this methodology or this idea? Yes. So I was exposed to this. It was in my late teens and I was, I picked up a book and it was um, actually, it's called how to read the Akashic records by Linda Howe. And I picked up the book and I thought, all right, this seems interesting. You know, it was just kind of an interest kind of thing. I didn't know much about it. Where did you find the book? Sorry to interrupt. Like, where did you get, where was that? I actually found it in a bookstore, just a small bookstore in my local town when I was living in Florida. And when I was, yeah, I just, I don't know what drew me into it. I think it was the cover because it was a a nice orangey kind of sunset color. And I thought, oh, this seems pretty cool. Let's see what this is all about. And it talked about accessing my soul's purpose and helping me to understand more of who I am. and, And that's what drew me in. So I bought the book, I went home and I just read it from cover to cover. I was just enthralled with it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I love this method. And then I realized that this book was not meant to be a read and put down kind of book. It was meant to be experiential. So I had to take the time with the exercises in it. And I had to take the time to get to know who I really was through this process. And so I took on a little adventure for myself and every day. I put aside time to access my Akashic records so I could get a really clear perspective of what it was and what it felt like. And I did that for an entire year. Every day I went into my Akashic records, I practiced, and I got a really clear understanding of what of information that was coming through and it was accurate and I was seeing real change in my life as a result of it. And then I started doing readings for others, first my family and then friends and then clients and started gaining a lot of confidence in it because I would see that the readings would foretell situations that would happen in the near future for many of my clients. And they would get really wonderful information that would help them make very big life choices they were stuck on. And it was just a powerful method to understand that we're not alone in this, you know, in this human journey and that there is a web that connects us all to this. So, yeah. Yeah. What kind of change did you see in your life when you started accessing these? You mentioned like a little bit of like clairvoyance, but what else came from that? Yes. So I always struggled. So because of the anxiety that I, that I really had a hard time with growing up, I struggled with decision-making and therefore I could not make a decision without overthinking it and, and worrying about it. And so one of the biggest changes I experienced was that I was no longer having this decision fatigue. I knew the right decision to make. For example, one, one um, really important example was that I was drawn to move to California from Florida And, you know, a lot of people in my life thought, why are you doing this? What, you know, that's a big move and California is expensive. And, and, you know, why would you, why would you do that? But there was a graduate school there. It was a holistic therapy program that I really wanted to do. And I decided I'm making the move. I knew it was right. My Akashic records had informed me several times that it was going to be one of the best decisions I'd ever make. And I wasn't scared. I didn't have a job lined up. I had nothing lined up. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but I felt really, really safe 
which is kind of a strange thing to say. And then when I got to, and this is, I was living in the Bay area of California too, which is a very, very, you know, tech techie area and also a very expensive area for somebody who's just going to school. And yet I was able to get a job immediately right up the street. And I was able to, you know, get my studies, you know, going in a way where I could balance both for a little while. So that was great. Things just came together. You know, it was unexpected in the way it came together. And so that's a great example of how the Akashic Records gave me confidence to make decisions, but it also helped me to understand more of this compassionate self that lived within my heart that I hadn't really accessed before. Right? I started realizing, you know, I have a very loud inner critic. <laughs> I had to start to identify that and I had to just start to turn towards myself with love. And it was so much easier after going into the records. I found I could just love myself through the hard times. I could love myself through, especially, you know, the trauma that I went through. And that was really healing for me, being able to just tap into that love immediately within my heart. And then I found it was, of course, easy to do that. And my therapy worked too with clients because, you know, naturally I was doing that for myself. So yes, huge changes. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it was a very just liberating experience and being enveloped in making those unmet needs from the trauma and from childhood, the spiritual place, it sounds like it really, it really touched you. How do you use it now? Like, what's it like currently? Yes, absolutely. I love the word you use, by the way, liberated. That is exactly the word I would use from this experience, you, you know, going into the Akashic Records. And then how I use the records now is actually a little different than before. I spent a lot more time uncovering my past lives and doing a lot of exploration into should I make this decision or not make this decision. But nowadays, what I teach is a very, very specific process to heal inner child wounds. And inner child wounds are wounds where we may typically anyway, subconsciously feel unworthy, feel a sense of shame or not good enough, and have this sense that there is something missing maybe, right? Or an emptiness inside. And we're not always conscious of this. You know, we're seeking in our everyday lives and maybe we're trying to find the answer or we're using food or drugs or, you know, relationships, whatever it may be, right? To try and fill that need within. And what I found is most of the suffering that we go through is due to these unresolved inner child woundings. And so I got really curious about it when I was going through my own trauma. And that's when I just uncovered this opportunity within the records to heal these wounds. So I take, so I have a, a program. It's a community program with a small set of women and we all go into the Akashic Records together and we explore our inner child wounds and we help each other in this very beautiful, compassionate community to heal and to know that we're each not alone on this journey. And then from there, you know, of course, psychic abilities develop, intuitive abilities develop as we're doing this work too. So there's a lot of benefits in addition to healing the inner child. And then often the biggest, you know, experience, or I would say the, the end result as, as the result of healing the inner child is that you tend to feel more aligned as your higher self, which is you're feeling more loving. You're feeling more energized. You're feeling more present. You're feeling more grounded. You can easily tap in at any time to this well of resources of wisdom, of insight, 
of understanding who you really are. And that helps you get through the challenges of life, right? That creates resilience through life. So that's, uh, yeah, that's it. I would say uh, on a small scale, that's what it looks like. What do some of these group sessions look like? Yes. What happens to me of a lot of people in this state all at the same time? Yes. So what I, so right now it's a very small group of women. We've got about seven or eight of us and we all come together on zoom. So everything is virtual right now. And when we come together, we start with a meditative process. And of course, a sharing where everyone's sharing what their experiences have been throughout the week and their intentions for doing this healing work together in our session. And then I say a prayer process out loud. It's one that I was given within my Akashic records when I was creating this program and everybody repeats this prayer together. It's a really powerful, energetic shift that happens inside. And often my students will tell me that they feel lighter or some of them feel like they're like vibrating almost a little. Some of them feel just more peaceful or calm. And then once they enter their Akashic records, then they, then I lead them through the healing process in their records to heal that inner child. And then we have a, you know, have time at the end to be able to talk about what they experienced and we share and we, you know, help validate and, and really compassionately help each other through any obstacles, maybe that showed up as well. Very cool. Yeah. It sounds like a a really powerful resource and group for people. Um, I think of like kind of a, a, a pagan coven or something of just a collection of women that are supporting each other and exploring spirituality together. Um, We're going to move into our first commercial break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk. I want to hear more about your thoughts around spirituality in general. I want to hear about how you moved from uh, this, uh, from therapist into this and also learn more about what you think women today are struggling with. Because it sounds like you really have your finger on the pulse there. So If you're listening out there, yeah, tune in, um, hang on, and we'll catch you on the other side of the break. Are you disenchanted by the saccharine-laced stories that you were told when you were younger? Behind every success, there is a hidden journey filled with triumph and defeat. On From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay, you'll hear about the challenges that our guests had to overcome to become the successful people that they are today. Listen live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, 
visit mark-azoulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azoulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y, dot teachable.com. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to From the Ashes. I'm sitting here with Amy Dean, and we're talking about spirituality and a a certain um, brand or or doorway maybe is more appropriate called the Acoustic Records. And you're showing how you discovered as a child and how you work with it now. I'm I'm really curious, you know, something that stands out is that you said you work exclusively with women or at least primarily with women. And I work almost exclusively with men. So I'm curious about that decision, about what what about women um, works for you? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a really great question. So, you know, it was not something that I had actually planned to do, which is interesting. It was, it was more of an organic kind of situation. So when I was going to therapy school, you know, it was almost just like I I was taught, this is the different kind of methods that you're going to be using in therapy, but you were never taught well, at least in my, my therapy program, we weren't taught what, who's your target market, right? Who do you want to work with? Who really feels like a great fit? So I just, I didn't have an idea of that. And then I began in my internship in my therapy internship, I began working at a neurofeedback clinic. And this is where I learned how to do trauma therapy with biofeedback and understanding how our mind and our brain are, are very, very deeply connected in the trauma healing process and helping people move towards these healthier brain patterns. And through that journey, it was quite interesting because I just had so many women coming to see me and it was not on purpose. They just happened to, you know, maybe feel comfortable comfortable with me. I'm not sure what that was, but they started coming to see me and realized that about 90% of my caseload was women. So when I started to think about that and, and looked at the change over time and listened to their stories, I realized there was a common thread about feeling disempowered and feeling, you know, this kind of sense of like, I, I can't really feel confident in myself and I can't really move past this perfectionism and this overachieving as a woman that, you know, feels like I have to balance everything. I have to be a mom. I have to be, you know, really good at my job. I have to be really good in everything. And there was this like common thread of feeling overwhelmed with trying so hard to be the best at everything as a woman. And I felt, you know, connected to that because it was something I was going through in my own journey. And so that, you know, really took hold. And from there realized I really enjoy working with women. And not that that I stopped working with men in any way, I still do work with men. But in this program in particular, I find that it, you know, makes it a safe space for women to be able to share some, some vulnerable things, right, that they might not be able to share with anybody else. So yeah, that's where I am. Yeah, I find that really true in the work that I do with the guys is that, you know, what I always say is that men have different conversations when there's no women present. I think there's a stereotype that we just like talk about, you know, farts and blood and, and sports. And, and that's, I mean, that does happen for sure. But there is this level of emotional depth that I think guys can get to, especially if they're on that same path, that for whatever reason, having women around inhibits or, or changes 
Um, I'm, I'm curious from your viewpoint, what's different when you have a group of only women? What, what emerges from that? So what typically emerges is, and I think it's, I also want to add in, you know, a couple different elements of this group as well. So it's not just about women. It's also about women who are very emotionally sensitive, very highly sensitive and, and also empathic. So they feel a lot. They give a lot. They tend to be caregivers or helpers, or, you know, maybe they're even working in like a fields, you know, a helping field, such as being a nurse or, or, or what, you know, whatnot. So there's ten, tons of different ways that these women tend to give to others and they don't as often give back to themselves or feel safe enough to do so. So this group gives them all the opportunity to share their individual stories about how that has been difficult for them. And then they see this connection with others because they realize other women are also feeling that they're also feeling burdened. They're also feeling overwhelmed and they're also feeling like they give a lot more than they receive right in these situations and that they can start to unwrap, you know, the idea of anger and what that really feels like inside and to share that in a group of other women who get it. So I think there's also this feeling, you know, that these women get that there's this, it's almost like a mirrored response, right? There's other women who are on the exact same page and they can mirror back this experience and that helps you to feel more vulnerable, you know, or to feel better about feeling more vulnerable and to be able to express yourself in a group where there's a container for that. So that's what I found is, you know, if there's this kind of like-mindedness, especially, then that can make a big impact. And, and that's what I've seen in this group. And that's how these women are growing. Yeah. I think it's really powerful. I, I run a bunch of groups in my practice and just kind of the, um, the camaraderie, right. And, and the, Oh, me too. And I also feel that way. And I, well, I thought I was crazy, but like this also, this other person also has that going on is incredibly powerful because so many people are kind of trapped in their own mind around a lot of these things. Yes, they are. Absolutely. They are. And I think too, you know, when you go out into the world and there's this, there's this expectation, right? You've got to do your job, right? You've got to, you know, make sure that you stay on top of things. You have to make sure that at the end of the day, you feel really good, right? About the kind of day that you had. So there can be a lot of pressure and it can be really hard to just speak your truth out in the world and feel safe because, and this is something I'm also writing a book on this topic about how it's important that we unmask our soul. So it's like our soul is underneath there, right? Underneath all the different masks of different parts of us that show up, such as the part of us that's the achiever or the perfectionist or the worrier, right? Or, or the one that's trying to kind of taskmaster our life, right? So there's all these different masks we wear. And it's not until we feel like we are in a safe, comfortable, and calm place that we can take down the masks and fully and completely open up to our soul self. So I think that, yeah, it's just so nice to have a space where other, you know, women can just make way. Yeah, I, th I think that's totally critical. So I, I want to bring you back to the spirituality piece. Uh, you talked about, you know, past life regression and the development of like psychic powers. So I've, never done any of that. Um, I, you know, um, studied Buddhism. I studied psychotherapy. You know, I've done, when I was in my drug addiction, did a bunch of like psychedelics and touched into that space a little bit, but it's always fascinated me of kind of the supernatural or paranormal space. Um, I'm curious, I guess maybe start with the past life regression. What was that like for you? Like what, what, what was one of your past lives? How did you know that it was, that it felt true? 
Can you put yeah. a picture there? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I'll share one that is really, really powerful and so powerful that it, it changed the trajectory of, well, maybe not really changed the tra- trajectory, but kind of changed about how important my life path was and and the direction I was heading in. So in this past life, I, and I don't, by the way, I haven't told anybody this. So you're the first one who gets to hear this. So yeah, which is great. So essentially in this past life, I was, it was probably in like the early 1800s is what it looked like. And I was living in this giant house and in the scene, I was holding a glass of wine and I was looking around at the beautiful space, but feeling deeply, deeply depressed. And in this imagery, I was struggling with a relationship that was failing. I had also, you know, in this past life had lost my parents who were older and had passed. And I was probably in my young thirties here in this vision. And from here, you know, I was starting to feel quite a bit of nausea. It was really, it was just complete trigger out of nowhere. And I felt really sick to my stomach. And so I had to stop the reading. I had to stop and I had to, you know, come back to my breath and I had to reground myself. And then when I was able to take some space and go back in again, I recognized that the the reason why that was coming up was because I was the next part of this journey was that I had chosen to end my life. And it was so hard for me to face even subconsciously that I didn't want to face it. I didn't want to go there. And I wouldn't even be able to talk about this right now. I don't think if I didn't do some of the healing work around it in the Akashic records, but what ended up happening was a beautiful understanding that even though that was a choice I had made at the time, that I had still entered this beautiful, beautiful light place. And after I had experienced that ending of my life, what ended up happening after that is I entered this beautiful light dimension. And from here, I had what I call a life review. And this is where I was able to see that I had chosen this life to be able to move through some karma that I needed to understand about myself. For example, I needed to learn some lessons around understanding loss and feeling a sense of loneliness and being able to move through loneliness and grief. And in that life, I wasn't able to do that, but it was something that I felt a lot of forgiveness for on the other side, a lot of compassion. And I didn't feel judged. I didn't feel hurt in any way. I felt whole again. And then I had tears just streaming down my face by the end of this past life reading And so much so that I just wrote feverishly in my journal about it. And I remember thinking, you know what? There is no way this couldn't be true. It felt so incredible. It felt more real than my waking life. So to answer your question from earlier, I know you mentioned, how do you, how did you know, right? Or how did you really connect with that to feel that it, that it was real for you? And for me, it was the the emotional sensations of going through that and the nausea that showed up and the feeling of being so loved after the ending of that past life. And it really confirmed it for me. Yeah. That's fascinating. When you're in this trance, I don't know. And if I'm asking the wrong questions, let me know, but I get so fascinated by like the mechanics of the phenomena. Uh Was it like a vision that overtook your, your sight or was it in the mind's eye? What, how did you go back to the 1800s? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I love this. I love this conversation. So basically what happened was I, I tend to see, I'm very clairvoyant. So I tend to see a lot of visuals, a lot of colors. And I saw the scene pretty vividly. Like I saw the dress I was wearing and the shoes I was wearing. I don't have as much clarity now, now that I'm out of the records. But when I was in the records, I could see it very, very clearly. I could see the colors. I could see the shapes. And the emotions I was feeling was just completely out of this world. It was something that I, I wasn't used to, such as feeling that sense of deep, deep depression. It wasn't something that I typically feel in my everyday life. So when I went through that, I felt strange, hmm, right? This was really off for me. And yet it felt very, very real. It felt like it was happening in real time. And so it was a kind of a combination of visuals, deep, you know, emotional sensations or this felt sense I was getting in my body. And it was combined with this, and I don't even know if you could call it a feeling because it's so hard to, to really pinpoint that kind of love that I felt from my spirit helpers is what I'll call them on the other side. It was more of just like, I felt my essence, right? I felt who I really was, was love and that nothing could could take me from that. So I don't know, it's not quite a feeling. It was more of like an inner knowing, I guess you could say. And, and that's what helped me to, to heal from that and to understand that I wasn't alone. So how does this, these experiences inform your kind of greater cosmology maybe of spirituality? I'm assuming mm -hmm. you believe in reincarnation if you're coming back on these different past lives. Yes. I do. And also, you know, really connect with Buddhist teachings as well. I know that you mentioned a little bit ago that that was something that you connect with. And so for, from my experience, and this wasn't something I always believed, by the way, it was brought up Christian and, and very, very much was told that that did not exist and that there was no way it could exist. But I always felt, you know what, it has to exist. It was just this innate sense of feeling that it had to be true within me. So yes, I, I really feel very much so that past lives are real, at least in my experience, in my personal experience, and that we do reincarnate and that we come back in different ways and that we create these different soul contracts or agreements in order to work through our past life karma in each subsequent life that we go through. And that we're also meant to be able to express love as we really are, that being a huge purpose of each lifetime is to express love in whichever way feels best for us, you know, in our soul contract. But yeah, that's, that's definitely what I believe. So this is a big question, but I'm curious what the end state is. Like, do you believe that we continuously come back or that we're moving to resolving all the karma? What's it all building towards? Yeah. Oh, that's a big one. So my my feeling sense around this and my experience in the Akashic Records has pointed to that there is an, an end of sight, so to speak. It's almost as if as we're moving through this spiritual awakening, as we're ascending, right, from one step to the next, and and our vibrational consciousness is, of course, expanding, then we're understanding that we don't need all these lifetimes anymore to remember who we are right? We don't need that anymore. So we end up, and I can't speak to exactly what happens at that point, once you no longer need to come back, because I haven't made it to that, you know, that point, I haven't made it to the other side permanently in that way. 
But my feeling is that we are kind of like merging back in with the divine and I call the divine, the universe, or you can call the divine God or, you know, whatever words feel right. But my sense is that we sort of merge back in. It's almost like we reintegrate into the whole again, but that's just my experience and what I've discovered through my records. Yeah. And that does have a lot of overlap with Hindu thought, this idea of joining the Godhead or, or waking up together uh, being yeah. one kind of framework and one kind of mesh of consciousness. Uh, yeah. We're going to wrap this segment up, move into a commercial break. But in the final segment, if you're listening out there, Amy's going to tell us about her spiritual guidebook activity and talk about how you can access these spiritual dimensions and planes um, if you're listening at home. So uh, stay tuned and we'll catch you on the other side of the commercial break. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit Mark dash azulay dot teachable dot com that's mark m-a-r-c dash azulay a-z-o-u-l-a-y dot teachable dot com you are listening to from the ashes with mark azulay to reach the show today please call one eight 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 Three four six nine one four one. That's one eight 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 three four six nine one four one. Or send an email to podcast at mark azulaycom Now back to from the ashes. Welcome to our final segment here. In this segment, we like to talk directly to listeners. So, if you're listening out there and you're curious about spiritual development, about ascension, um, about overcoming, you know insecurity, feelings of worthlessness, any and all of that. If you're connecting to Amy's story, Amy, where, where should they start? Like, what would you want that curious person to know? What do you want them to hear? Yes. What I would say is that first and foremost, I just, I want to extend my heart to anybody who's going through any kind of spiritual awakening or transformation right now, or just even wondering, am I losing my mind as I'm starting to make these energetic shifts within, or maybe, you know, some people start to see a lot more psychic material, you know, ghosts, for example, or spirits or whichever you 
call them and there can be a lot of fear at this point of the journey for anybody who's just wondering what is happening inside or like you said someone who's struggling with the sense of you know security and wondering am I really okay right is this normal the way I feel so I would say the first step is to download this spiritual awakening guidebook that I offer it's a complimentary guidebook and through this guidebook I go through what a spiritual awakening is And then I also talk about these six phases of spiritual awakening that I've uncovered using my Akashic records and my own internal journey of understanding my spiritual awakening, as well as with my clients. And there's six different phases involved here. And I can just go through them just one by one, just very briefly, because the guidebook will also give quite a bit of detail. But the first stage of our spiritual awakening journey is typically what I call dream sleep. This is when we're disconnected from our inner knowing of who we are as spiritual beings. And I also call this autopilot. So this is where, you know, all these different parts of us, like our ego mind, for example, is running the show. It's, you know, we're not able to really discern whether or not we're connected to our intuition and it can feel like we have little control over our lives in this, you know, in this phase. And then phase two is the nightmare phase. And I talked about that earlier in my own journey. And this is also that existential crisis, that dark night of the soul, when you're going through something so tumultuous that you wonder, am I going to make it out of this? That this is a temporary place. This is a temporary phase, just like all the others. And they are not linear, but I talk about them in a linear way because this can be a common way that people move through them. And then phase three is lucid dreaming. And this is where we, and it's called lucid dreaming because it's just like in a lucid dream where you realize you're dreaming within the dream. And in this spiritual awakening phase, it's more of an energetic curiosity, a spiritual curiosity, and a sense of urgency to change your inner world. So, and your outer world too. So this is where you want to know your life purpose. Maybe you're seeking yoga or meditation or something out there to make you feel more connected to yourself. And then there's phase four, which is the waking up phase. And this is where, this is when this idea of who am I really starts to take hold. And this is where you start to feel more connected to your true self. In phase five, this is the awakening living phase. And this is where you're really just choosing to live in the present more often. You're feeling more connected to yourself. You're feeling more connected to others. And there's this real sense of unity that's happening within you. And then there's an integration phase, which is phase six, but it also kind of intertwines within the other phases at different times. And this is where you're integrating your reality and your understanding of self and no self and trying to go from one understanding of who you might have been before to who you are now and what that looks like in your everyday life. So it's all about growth and change and understanding new insight. And then within the guidebook too, I offer my Facebook group as a community to help you if you're feeling stuck on your awakening journey or if you just want to understand how do I finally heal this and get unstuck then I'm actually there live every single week. And then there's also, so this guidebook is pretty long. I'm sure you can tell there's a quiz to determine which spiritual awakening phase you're in right now. There is a journal with, um, to help you uncover these high vibration activities, such as meditation practice or prayer or going on a nature walk, 
having a sense of gratitude in your journal every day. And then also to have a bit of a meditation log and tracking these ego mind patterns, which include negative thinking, blaming others, overanalyzing or overthinking, and then a beautiful, compassionate intention statement at the end of every day to help you start to create some change in there. So that's the guidebook. And that would be the first step, I would say, to to starting to create this transformation. Yeah, sounds like a really comprehensive tool that, yeah. you know, encourages spiritual development and healthy life skills and, you know, clear communication mm-hmm. and understanding the emotional landscape. Yes, absolutely. Yep, that's it. That's exactly it. So if someone's interested in experiencing the Akashic Records or learning more about it from like a primary source um, situation perspective, mm-hmm. how would they... How would they start there if they want to really dive into the spiritual metaphysical side of things? Yes. So after, let's say, you know, they download the guidebook and they say, you know what, I really want to go deeper here. So in the Facebook group, I do have a lot of Akashic Records teachings and there are a lot of replays there you can watch to get to know you know, who or how to access the records more specifically. And, and also I have a meditation that helps you access your own Akashic records. And you can find this within the Facebook group community as well. And then you can also book a, it's called an awakening transformation call with me and my team to just talk about some of these personal blocks you're struggling with. Maybe you really want to go deeper into the metaphysical Maybe you want to understand, and typically we want to go deeper because we're ready, right, for that next step on our spiritual awakening journey. So that does require having a guide to help you along. So these calls are complimentary to get to know you and to help uncover some of these blocks, subconscious blocks that might be keeping you from going deeper. And then there's also some additional personalized resources that you'll receive at the end of that call. So I would say for anyone really serious about the spiritual journey and wanting to understand exactly how to access their Akashic records in a, in a way where they're guided every step of the way, then booking that call would be the next big step for sure. Yeah. I, I like that. You know, in my work with the guys that I work with, I look at it from a little bit of a different angle, but I think it's the same thing of developing this idea of like a purpose and principles and, a code, you know, and having like a foundational, whether it be spirituality, morals, or ethics, that I think a lot of people, especially in our generation, really don't have. Like we we cast off religion pretty strongly. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not a religious person, but I think that some of that was very helpful. You know, the idea mm-hmm. of having developing discipline or connecting with something greater than oneself or developing okay. an inner sense of morals. And I think reconnecting with it now is is critical. I think it's a really important part of human development that is uh, is neglected. Yes, I totally agree with that. Absolutely. It's like a foundation, right, in which to launch from. And then from there, yeah, it's all about self-discovery. And, you know, for some people, you know, it's I, I hear this often, actually, where there can be this this worry that what if I'm still Christian, for example, what if, you know, some clients will tell me I'm still Christian, but I still really want to understand my Akashic records. Are they, you know, somehow polarized in this way where I can't do one or the other. And my experience with this has been that that's not the case, that you can still even have a religious belief system for those who do, and you can also access your Akashic records. So there, you know, it really does align with your understanding of your belief system. So it doesn't go beyond 
you know, what, um, what you're, what you're feeling and what feels right to you. So it can be, yeah. In other words, it can be for anybody religious or not to do this kind of work and yeah, it can be a really great tool. That's, that's fantastic. So as, as we're wrapping up here, I'm curious, what are the acoustic records telling you are your next step in this life, in this world? Where do you see all this going? Yeah. So that's so cool. So what I was told in my Akashic records was that I had learned, so I had done enough information gathering. In other words, I've done enough, you know, putting together the tools that I needed to learn what I need to learn. I've done enough of the learning and the rest of my life, I would spend an implementation of the learning that I've already discovered. So it's more practice now, you know, practicing, you know, in my meditation practice, practicing, you know, more compassion and love in my everyday life, practicing getting in touch with my highest self to the deepest you know, possible degree. So at this point, and I thought that was a really interesting message that it, you know, and some of us were all on different journeys here, you know, and it doesn't mean I'm not learning as I'm going along here, but it's more about, I have all the tools and resources I need in order to make the shifts I need to make to continue to evolve. Cause I feel we're always evolving. Right? There really isn't, in my experience so far anyway, it's not that we ever really stop evolving. It's just that it, it takes a different, it takes a different turn depending on where you are on your spiritual journey. So the idea of just kind of getting in those reps, getting in that practice and yeah. deepening into what, what is already there rather than chasing, you know, some new information or something there. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One, one of the spiritual teachers that inspired me, uh, Chogim Trumpa Rinpoche is a, you know, Buddhist teacher that came out to Colorado, he talks about, he was teaching during the, you know, 60s and 70s primarily, and he was really talking about discipline and focusing on just one thing. You know, during that time, people were spiritual shoppers. I think they even might be more so now, right? Where it's like, oh, let me do a little bit of yoga, a little bit of meditation, a little bit of, you know, tarot, a little bit of crystals, a little bit of religion, right? Like watch a couple YouTube videos. But he has all these great talks where he's like, it doesn't actually matter what you pick, as long as you pick something and you just go deep because the advanced problems are what teach you the advanced lessons instead of just kind of stopping at that beginner level um, on multiple different things. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That is it. Exactly. I'm really glad you brought that up because it's true, right? We all tend to be spiritual seekers or many of us do. I know I've been a spiritual seeker. It's funny because you were almost talking about me there for for a bit. Then it was all about how do I do this or can I try that and can I do this and I just kept coming back to the Akashic Records, which was interesting. I kept coming back to, you know, mindfulness meditation. I kept coming back to some of the, the deeply rooted tools that I felt most connected to. And that's, and some people might say, well, how do I know, right? How do I know what I'm supposed to pick and go deep with? And I think you, you put it perfectly. It's, it's not that there's a right or wrong, right? You really can't go wrong with it. It's just about what really lights you up, maybe. What, what do you feel passionate about? What seems really interesting to you and take that path. Right. And, and that could be the, the next big step. Yeah. The way that he put it is that there's a uh, 10,000 doors to the Dharma, right? Mm -hmm. All the spiritual paths hit the same place, but you have to walk them. Mm, yes. Oh, I can see that. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. So yeah. As wrapping up here, I'm, I'm curious, where can people find you? I know you talked about the Facebook group and mm -hmm. the website, but specifically, what type of people are you looking for and how can they get a hold of you? 
Yeah, that's that's also really helpful. So I am, you know, typically I work with women in particular who are going through this kind of overwhelm in their life right now. Let's say they're, maybe they're high achievers, maybe they have some qualities such as perfectionism or struggling with this sense of feeling lost and not really understanding who am I at my core? Maybe they're doing what we just talked about. They're seeking, they're looking for something and they just haven't found it yet. Maybe things are going well in their lives, but there still feels like there's something missing. Or on the flip side, maybe the relationships and communication is not going well. Maybe their health is not where it needs to be. Maybe they're finding that life balance is completely impossible because of the kind of life demands and responsibilities they feel are, are burdensome on their shoulders. So it can keep them from that sense of freedom that their soul is calling them to. So those are the types of women I love to work with. And they're typically really committed and really ready to do the deeper work, which is what I thrive upon. I love doing the deep subconscious down to the root work with women, because I find that's where deep change really happens instead of, you know, just kind of working at the surface level of things. So yeah, for anyone who is ready just to dive much deeper into that and wants to take things to the next level, then this work could be for you. I think that's great. I think that deep level of work is what is absolutely critical you know i found it to be the only way to really affect personality change and to work on kind of the called in psychoanalysis the ego syntonic level right where it's your it's your ego and character structure that changes rather than ego dystonic which is this idea of you're forcing something to happen because all of that stuff breaks down eventually right like the willpower and discipline run out uh mm -hmm. so you really have to change from the bottom up yes oh yes exactly you do have to change from the bottom up and then you know there's that top-down way that we tend to look at things sometimes, right? Where it's like, we want to work with our thoughts and we want to work with our emotions. And I think it's really important that we start there for sure in many cases, but it's not, it's not going to get to the root in, in, you know, and oftentimes because we can't chase after the thoughts, right? Or chase after the emotions, but we have to really understand what our body's asking us to do, which is to really turn inward and be willing and courageous enough to be curious about what is there waiting for us to discover. Well, that's a great message to end it on. So thank you so much for joining. You know, every couple of episodes we have, you know, someone that's a spiritual coach and that is uh, working with these things. And always, it always inspires me to dig more into it. You know, I have my version of it and I, I love to hear other people's version of it. I think the spirituality component is really important when it comes to self-development. So thank you, Amy, for joining us on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is a wonderful conversation. Yeah, it was fantastic. So if you're listening there at home and you're enjoying the conversation, hit us with a five-star review, share it, do all the social stuff, um, and tune in for next week for another episode of From the Ashes. See you next time. Thank you for joining host Mark Azoulay on From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Meet triumph and defeat and treat those two imposters the same.